Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Hurling Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy. Uh, joined this week by Kieran Collins. Kieran, how are things? Not too bad, Mark. Yourself? Very good, very good. Uh, I suppose tonight uh, we kind of know our Leinster and Munster Senior Hurling Championship finalists. We know who's finished third and getting into the All-Ireland Qualifier Series. And we know who's packing their bags for a long year of reflection. So we'll cover that. And we'll also cover the All-Ireland Under-20 uh, game uh, last weekend in Taurus. Pretty cagey affair, but very exciting encounter between Kilkenny and Limerick. I suppose, Karen, let's start with Munster Senior Hurling Championship. We thought this time last week that it would be a frenzy of excitement to key marquee matchups. Uh, Clare versus Waterford and Tipperary versus Cork but in the end it kind of fizzled out pretty badly um, what were your kind of thoughts on the two games uh, Karen? Yeah I suppose looking at the Waterford Clare game first I think Waterford from the start were a beaten team they didn't seem to have much fight in them it was like they kind of I think in their heads thought Cork are going to be Tipperary and we don't have a chance you know they, they didn't put up to me they didn't look to put up any sort of a fight you know, compared to Clare, like, could have taken the foot off the pedal, didn't, you know, really went at him. Clare played with the wind in the first half, and, and they used it to their advantage, like, going in 116 to 9 points at half time up, you know, the game was done at that stage, uh, 13 points in it. I'd I look from, from a Clare point of view, I think, for Lone, it's uh, it's important going into the Munster final to be to keep the run going that they're on, you know, and it's momentum going forward. And it's really put up, like there was players really put up their hand for for selection. Some key players who probably didn't play well against um, Limerick that turned it around and had superb games. I think Peter Duggan, Shane O'Donnell being the two you're going to pick out. David Fitzgerald again, you know, another monster week. You know, I think he scored 2-3, you know, um, really, really good. David Reedy won two. I said Duggan, he had eight points, five of them from place balls, and Shane O'Donnell had five points. But yeah, Waterford really, really disappointing. Like, where does has it gone? Like, in the space of two to three weeks, where team has been talked as contenders for a Munster title and and possibly an All Ireland title, and for the for the train to go off the tracks in in the space of two or three weeks, I'd say to the players and to the Waterford people, it must be still a state of shock. I think more so that this team were cruising in their eyes. I don't think Derek McGrath did him any favours and, you know, talking him up. And, you know, it's a long way from a league final to an All-Ireland final to keep players on track and mind-wise and on the game. You know, I don't think that helped them. But, you know, the fight wasn't there. Like, to be fair, to Tipperary, you know, I think they put up a bit more of a fight, even though they had a slimmer chance of progressing. But I think Waterford, when they started that game, it was just, uh, in their eyes, I think, they, you know, it was over. You know, it's very hard to see where Waterford will go from here. You know, I suppose there'd be a lot of media attention over will Liam Cahill and Mikey B even stay. You know, uh, I'm sure he'll have to, you know, do a bit of soul searching himself over the next few weeks and months um, before a decision will be made. There's no doubt they have some exceptional players. But there seems to be a bit of a hoodoo with Waterford in round robins. You know, three years of round robin, 12 games. They've only won one and one draw. So they've lost 10 out of 12 games, which is, you know, it's a, 
astonishing fact, breath, really. Yeah, absolutely. So you're talking 2018, 2019, and this year 2022. Uh, it's really interesting. You know, is it a case Waterford are going about this in the wrong way? Really hard to know. But I think I suppose again, when losing to Burke and Jamie Barron, you know, two colossal men, obviously in defence and and Barron going both ways, uh, obviously didn't help their cause. But you know, any sign of a, a potential comeback. You know, Stephen Bennett gets a goal, 44 minutes. Clear score, the next seven out of eight scores, you know. So any doubt that might have been in, in any person's head or it, it was completely quelled by Clare. So, you know, Clare really impressive and deserving, maybe not predicted, but deserving Munster finalists, you know, without a doubt. Yeah, and you have flagged Clare, even at the start of this podcast, back in February that you really felt that this Clare team were going to go places with Brian Lowe and James Moran and the backroom staff and the players after they could get the likes of the Peter Duggins, the Shane O'Donnells back to really compliment Tony Kelly. There's a solid unit there in Clare. And I mean, it showed minus Tony Kelly. Oh, you're Rory. Um, uh, joined with Rory Ross here. Uh, I'm just saying there, uh, Rory, good timing. Uh, just in terms of Clare, uh, just minus Tony Kelly. The unit really did impress massively in Cusack Park. Uh, on last Sunday and probably gives Brian Owen and the uh, backroom team plenty to kind of think about uh, going into that monster final against Limerick. Yeah, and it does show a bit of depth in the forward line as well. Um, you know, as we mentioned, uh, Shamihan coming back to fitness, Shanahan coming back, David Reedy as well. And so there are healthy options for Lohan there. Um, and it does, I know there's, uh, it was a, a lot of people going around saying, you know, Tony Kelly, one-man team or whatever. And look, he is vitally important to them because, you know, he, he is he is the main man. And why why would you be shooting from all angles if you have Kelly on the inside or whatever, you know? So it is obviously part of the game plan is to get the ball to Tony Kelly. But at the same time, it just shows that, um, like, there are other serious forwards there if, that if they are given space, they can do damage. Um, getting space off the Limerick back line, though, is, you know, that, that is the, uh, the challenge that will face them in the Munster final. Um, yeah, and then look, just one thing I suppose from the last day out was if you looked at Clare's performances previously to the Limerick game, Peter Duggan, um, Cahill Malone, and Shane O'Donnell in particular had been to the four, and I thought they were really quiet against Limerick and Ennis. And you'd be hoping that at least two of them, you know, will two out of the three of them, even if they improved, it just give, might give the team another kick on in the Munster final. Plus, I suppose th- those extra options he'll have, especially off the bench now. Um, Going into the Munster final, I just yeah I, I think I think Clare are at four to one. I think it's a crazy price. Um, like Limerick, obviously favourites. They have the pedigree. There's still a question mark. Like, um, when it comes to the over Clare, like can they answer the Munster final? We'll know a lot more then. Um, but so far their form has been really good. Um, so yeah, look that that's that's probably the main the main question going into it. Absolutely. Did you get tickets uh, today? And the terrace all sold out within 11 minutes. God, it's going to be an incredible atmosphere in Terrace uh, on Jim Bank Holiday weekend. Yeah, I just I wonder as well with the way the tickets went all out to the clubs. So what will happen is people would bought, would have bought as many as possible through the clubs. And then um, other people then would have come on today who they would maybe would have had a ticket for and bought terrace tickets. So I reckon t- tickets will filter through in the next few days. That Some people will realise that, you know, they have more tickets than they need and... I think uh, yeah, you're just hoping that uh, scalpers didn't go on and 
Ticketmaster and take up loads. You know, that would be the big worry when you see something like that in a big general sale when they know there's demand. I think we'll soon find that out probably early next week uh, when we'll see in social media about looking for various uh, tickets and what have you not. But I suppose going back to these games here, Karen, get back to yourself. Just in terms of uh, Cork, and I mean, about two, three weeks ago, we were, dare I say, writing off Cork's chances a little bit in terms of uh, progressing out of Munster. But uh, again, marquee win against Watford down in Walsh Park and uh, backed it up fairly nicely against Tipperary. Now, the Noel McGrath penalty miss is a most pivotal part of that game. I mean, it's four point lead for Tipperary at that point. Goal goes in seven points, but it's a six point turnaround with. Um, uh, Connolly's goal. I suppose, uh, Kieran, coming to you, uh, Cork's performance—it was exhibition stuff at times, wasn't it? Yeah, <clears throat> obviously, tips started strong. You know, went up one-three to no score. I think it was it. But you know, ten minutes later, it was two-five to one-four to Cork. You know, and from then on, not much changed. The, the, obviously, McGrath's penalty. Um, it was a six-point swing. You know, had that gone in, you know, you're talking seven points. And really question marks would come on Cork then. But, you know, yeah, they, they, they really turned it on. But I think I think maybe Tip made it easier for him at times as well. I, I, one thing I question is why, you know, like all, all over the years, you remember Ford was the penalty taker and why he didn't hit that, you know, and why McGrath was on the, the freeze when Ford would usually be the man. You know, just kind of a, something you might question. Yeah, look, Cork, really impressive. One four from the bench, you know, which you're going into the the latter stages of the competition. Like that's you need scores from your bench. We all know it's it's a the finishers are as important as like the guys who are starting. You know, Jack O'Connor, Shane Barr, Tim O'Mahony coming on, and I think as well, uh, Jeremy Ellerick is up back from from injury and in a full back to replace Downey. You know, that'll be interesting the next day to see who will get named at. Uh, at fullback, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of have question marks over Downey, but you know, just what way they named their team the next day, or maybe the <clears throat> in the quarterfinal stage, like will they stick with Downey now? He's kind of played two good games, or, or you know, where will Melrick? Because Melrick will feature in that in that team. I think he has to. I think for Tipperary point of view, you know, it's going to be a long summer and into next winter. They've lost every monster team 2022, which I'd say you're going back a long time for for that stat to have been uh, completed before. It's uh, strange times for for Tipperary and anyone looking at Tipperary. You know they're obviously considered themselves one of the traditional counties, and you know they don't associate themselves with losing anyway. So it, it's it's really I suppose. I see the a few knives out on Sunday, you know, questioning their fitness. Uh, you know, okay, it, it's a point to be made, but is fitness the true telling of the team not producing against? You know, with, with the players they've lost, there there has there's no question marks. There was going to be a drop in form, but it's where the players are going to come out of. You know, if you look at last Sunday, take Noel McGrath, Jason Ford, and Jake Morris out. I think they were the only guys who really stood up to us, you know, putting scores on the board. Bar these three guys, there was only other four other scores with a point each, you know. So I think that tells the story really. Some guys who would have probably would have impressed against Limerick, you know, Stakelum and Ger Brown, you know, I think the last two days out they they haven't been as impressive. And uh I know I think it'll be a long road back for Tipperary. Yeah, Rory, 
get you in there. I suppose from a court perspective, it was a very pleasing performance, particularly when you saw the likes of Conor Lahan really kind of produce a devastating performance. Seven points from play, one from free. Shane Kingston with four. Mark Coleman switched to wing back, gets these three points. Robbie O'Flynn, three points. Seamus Hardenley, three points. Mm. I can go on and on here. And Tim O'Mahony coming in off the bench, one one. I suppose it was a very pleasing performance of Cork. Uh, really, and uh, how do you rate Cork going into this kind of All Ireland qualifier series now? Yeah, as you said, Mark, there a real, you know, um, spread of scores for Cork, and uh, that's a, a big thing with a team. Um, and look, I think Cork are one of these teams that a real, you know, confidence team when things are going well, especially even during games. And then uh, the question mark then is when when things kind of go against them in games, you know, they seem to flip the other way. So. Like have Cork come out of that, like, is there a bit more resilience about them? That time will tell there, but they have super hurlers, like, they're very skillful. Connor Lahan, um, like, the question marks we had over Connor in previous podcasts weren't his striking ability or whatever. He's the scores he puts up for Middleton season and season are incredible. So the talent is there with him. Um, could he put a bit of work right in with it and a bit more tackling off the ball? And he has added that to his game this year. And I think that's probably like when we, um, we were questioning why Kingston was kind of going back to the same guys at the start of the year. But with Lahan, he probably saw that with him, that there was a bit more off the ball with him this year. And, um, yeah, that's one thing that we can't fault him on. Like, he has brought that to his game so far. And, again, look, the, the as you said, momentum is with them. They're flying. That was a huge moment in the game, the penalty, as you mentioned. Like, the six-point swing there. And even for a temporary point of view, if they had gone on, again, that extra six, seven points up, you know, they would have been the ones with momentum and th- that must have been a some soccer punch, uh, you know, for a, an inexperienced team like Tipperary to take. Saying that, I, can't, I think Bonner here has been scapegoated because he, like, he is he is left with half the team that was there last year and uh, out of a, a pool of players with relative inexperience, he's to try and make a team out of them. Uh, along with that then, John McGrath to get injured, you know, one of the, one of the main experienced guys he had this year. And trying to work without John McGrath in the far line, missing Jason Ford then for another championship game, Shamie Callanan gone. So, like, uh, to be honest, I don't think anybody could have come into the Tipperary this year. And okay, would they have snuck a win? Maybe, but there's no way Tip were going to qualify, I think, this year with the players uh, at his disposal. I'm um, saying that the, like, the, their decent hurdles of potential is there. They just like need a season or two under their belt. So, patience is probably needed with them. And this is where I think Liam Sheedy has kind of got away with a lot here because, um, we, we mentioned this previously, uh, uh, Liam Sheedy okay, won the All-Ireland in 2019, but over 2020-2021, when he needed to start blooding players in, he didn't. They kept going back to the tried and trusted, and it kind of caught the Munster final last year, to be honest, that he didn't have faith in a subs bench. And on a hot day when his elder statesman retiring, like he, you know, was very slow to replace them. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he learned a lesson that day. But look, in the long term, it caused, I think it ca- has caused Tipperary uh, huge problems that you've now come to a point where Bonner has no choice but to put in eight, nine either debutants or guys that had just had a few minutes off the bench in previous championships. Um, so I think it's very unfair for Tipperary people to say, oh, Bonner, you know, isn't up to it. Like he, he, he just doesn't have the doesn't have the pairs at the moment. Now, as we said, the talent is there with them. They're, we've seen them win under 20, under 21 All-Irelands. But um, just, again, patience needed with them. And maybe in two or three years' time, we saw how quickly things turned negatively for Waterford. You know, 12 months is a long time in Hurland. And uh, I'm sure with heads down and everything, they can, you know, get back on track again. 
Yeah, I completely agree uh, with you, Rory, in terms of Tipperary, because Bonner came in and he was quite clear in his mantra straight from the outset that this would be a, a transitional year, that he would be giving everyone a fair go. And to be perfectly fair, you think of Willie O'Connor's guys like that, that, you know, that Kerry game, particularly in the, the Munster preseason tournament. I mean, he was trying new guys out. He went to do divisional games at the back end of last year really trying to identify a player pool, as you said, you know, the legacy of Liam Sheedy, I think, to a certain extent. But I suppose it's going to need a bit of strength and conditioning. Um, there has been a few snipping comments, apparently, in Tipperary, from the likes of uh, Paddy Stapleton. I think Bill Maher as well had kind of critiqued in terms of the athleticism of Cork versus Tipperary, that it was very much chalk and cheese. So I think from that perspective, Bonner knows what he has, and again, club championship will be starting pretty soon in Tipperary, and he needs to just really look at the minors and under-20s coming in, and hopefully the likes of the Brian O'Mara's, the Connellys that were unavailable this year, they'll come back in. Now, question marks here now rise over the likes of Patrick Bonner-Mara, other marquee guys that have won All-Ireland's made the part stage left here. So if that is the case, then a little bit more transition. But I think for Colin Bonner, next season is going to be critical, and particularly the league, because... I hate to say it for him, but I think there has been a few sniping comments and the vultures will start to circle very much in February and March if results in 1B don't go according to plan. But I suppose going back to Waterford here as well, guys, it's a very intriguing subplot in terms of Liam Cahill and Michael Bevins. They've delivered Waterford with an Alliance Herring League title and we're now, there seems to be speculation that these guys might walk away. If you're the Waterford County Board, um, should you be given a little bit of confidence, a little bit of commitment to Liam Cahill and Michael Bevins, uh, given probably the off-the-season kind of talk with Tipperary, uh, Kieran? You know, it's really hard to know, and I don't think there's probably a clear answer as to why why, why this has happened. You know, like three weeks ago, this team were being talked contenders for the All-Ireland. Um, or as Derek McGrath said, the, the team to beat, you know. Um, certainly I really, everybody beat them. <laughs> yeah, they can't all climb the steps, Derek. You know, um, I I made a point a few weeks ago after working on a Waterford. The, the the amount of flags and bunting that was up after the league final. Look, they're a, a county star of the success, but I think that's hype. You know, and that feeds into players' minds. You know, they're listening to the likes of Derek McGrath telling them they're going to do it this year, and no one's going to touch them. You know, it's very hard to keep players away from that for that long period of time you know I've seen it in Limerick over the years uh, 2013 being the one year exactly. we couldn't ma- we couldn't manage the two or three weeks between the All-Ireland semi-final and the All-Ireland final you know or sorry between the quarter-final and the semi-final the hype machine just went off the rails songs being written all this you know so what hype can do um, to a mindset of players obviously I'm sure it's proven that it, it usually affects them but if you look back at with a, with, a, with a bit of hindsight, okay, Waterford, we're up and down, no different to any team in the league. You know, you probably compare them to Galway, how they went about it. You know, they won some, lost some, Kenny beat them. The, the form we were judging, and everyone was judging Waterford on, was based on the league semi-final, league final. But I, I think if you look at the two teams that were beaten, you know, Wexford were atrocious that day. And haven't been good, okay, up to the Kilkenny game, they haven't been good, you know, so... And Cork at the time were were in a bad state. So, is that farm as good? You know, looking back at it now, is that farm as good as what people might have thought they were? You know, I think the Limerick game. 
you know, even into the early league, sorry, back to the Tipperary game, you know, Tipperary made him made him sweat for most of that game, you know, and it was the closest Tipperary probably got to any real team. Okay, they pushed Limerick, but I think they really kind of scared Waller for that day. Then they came into Limerick where two late goals, I think, really put a gloss over where they were, you know, had it, it was probably a two-point hammering, really, you know, at the end of the day, because I think bar the goals, there was eight or nine points in that game, you know, so that kind of glossed over. And then it came into the Cork game where, you know, hype was building and, you know, maybe the form obviously wasn't as strong and we got our true result of, you know, what the Waterford team actually were. It's really hard to know. There's going to be lots of speculation and lots of different uh, viewpoints on it. I really think, you know, maybe, I think if you're looking at the round robin results over the three years, it played in like one win out of 12 you know, that's something that needs to be looked at from a water point of view, you know. Uh, is it a case they're doing too much in the league? You know, I think it's been shown this year, like Clare and Limerick being the the obvious ones, you know, they beat awfully and drew with each other and now have gone an, an unbeaten run since, you know. So maybe the, the league was managed wrong. It, it's really hard to know. And I think there's going to be, as, as long as a, a year it'll be in Tipperary, I think it'll be a longer summer and winter in Waterford. I think so too. Um, yeah, disappointing end for Watford. No, you can't sugarcoat it. I mean, Bally Gunner, Dal Ireland Senior Club Championship, start of the year. That was the impetus. And I suppose the Watford League form as well. Remember, they went up to Corrigan Park and nearly got turned over as well by Antrim. So, I mean, there was kind of various parts here. Dublin, they drew in Parnell Park, minus the Bally Gunner guys. So maybe we, as you said yourself, Karen, maybe took too much credence in the semi final and final. Because there were good performances off Waterford, let's face it, but maybe uh, that was kind of maybe overblown a little bit. But I think for Waterford, yeah, it's going to be a serious kind of examination and review. Liam Callum, Michael Bevins are honest. They're candid guys. They'll know what to do here. But I suppose loyalty-wise, next inter-county manager going into Waterford, potentially, they have to win a National Hurling League to keep their job. That's the barometer, unfortunately, here for anyone that's going to be interested in taking over if this managerial kit vacancy happens but I suppose guys we can move quickly on to round five of Leinster and uh, Kieran, being based in Wexford no this time last week we were very much doom and gloom and probably not giving Westmead enough credit I think given their performance in round four but in fairness to Wexford they absolutely produced a performance down in UPMC Nolan Park and were fully deserving winners over Kilkenny absolutely uh- you know, going back to last week, I, I suppose didn't give Wexford much of a chance, but, you know, really looking back over the last few years, they have had Kilkenny Zumber in games, you know, they've had the beating of them. I think from 1-15, to 15, you know, there was a really impressive performance. I think all over the, dotted all over the field, there was some some exceptional um, performances, 12 different scores for Wexford. Tells this kind of, I think it tells its own story. I thought it looked really ominous early on. Kilkenny scored 1-4 in kind of a five or six minute period. And, uh, you know, you were kind of thinking, right, this it's not looking good. But, you know, Waterford, uh, or sorry, Wexford um, really came back into it. And they score, all scored on 1-4 to two points, you know, after that. Kilkenny only scored from play, actually, only one point for play from the 58 minutes to obviously to the end of the first half. So I think, you know, it kind of, it showed Wexford's dominance, really, I suppose, the end of the second half. You know, they went in 1-11 to 1-8 up, which really should have been 2-11 to 1-8 because I think Conor McDonald has to score. You know, incredible think, save, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but if, I think if you look at it, it was straight at him. You know, uh, I think either side of, of Owen Murphy, it was a goal. 
Yeah, I think Kilkenny probably started second half strong again, but they, they never got ahead. You know, I think they might have leveled it once or twice, but they never got ahead. And I think Wexford, in the last, in the closing minutes, you know, I think they were level, and Wexford scored them six points to two in the closing minutes, and actually six different scores as well. I think if you look at the battle between Mikey Butler and Roy O'Connor, it's just unbelievable. You know, I think Mikey Butler is really shaping up to be a, you know, a top-class cornerback. I don't know, Kilkenny, they're, it's hard to know what kind of shape they're in going into the Leinster final. Mossy Keown obviously continued his goal-scoring form. TJ Reid, kind of comparable a bit now to uh, Horgan. You know, he's he's there for the freeze. He's not seen to be doing a whole pile from play, scoring-wise. But, you know, I'm sure they're going to have their own vengeance on the their last day from the last time they played Galway. And that'll probably be a, a bit of motivation from going into the next final. But I think, yeah, really, really impressed with Wexford. Interesting, actually, it must be a tactical kind of change. Like, Tyman Dunne, who was getting forward the last couple of games, scoring one or two points every game, which is something you you, you wouldn't associate with him. I, look, Lee Chain again, absolutely class. You know, he's... I think it just shows like Wexford don't play without Chin, you know, and that's it's just it's huge what he offers them going forward, you know, defensively. And I think Damien Rick again, I think already he's he's surely an all an all star nominee. He's just been class, obviously the block, which could have been a potential goal, you know, on the flat of his of his belly and and a, and a pick up the ball and you know, as cool as he liked and and went out with it. Really impressive. I think I, I wanna mention as well to um Fergal Horgan, you know, I think I mentioned him again last week. I think he just handles the game so well. He, I think he plays the advantage rule fairly. You know, I think there was a couple of occasions where tempers come out afraid, but he, like he has control. He just has control from 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 the start to finish, and uh, you know, he's just a really really good referee. And it, it's, it's a pity we just don't have more like him. Absolutely not. This seems to be a class apart, doesn't he? Rory, uh, can we get you in here? <laughs> what was the difference in a week with Wexford? Oh, look, this was, this was a thrilling performance from Wexford, and we haven't seen it since 2019 from them. And, we, you know, you were kind of looking at them, especially against Dublin, thinking, OK, Wexford aren't good enough to make the quarterfinals, and then they come out with a performance like this. Um, you know, uh, what I loved about it again was, and, and Kieran alluded to it, when Kilkenny hit the 1-4, the response from Wexford was brilliant, like got themselves right back in it again, going into half time. And uh, the leader is really set up for them. Lee Chain, Rory O'Connor got the better at that, that great duel in the second half and got some fantastic scores like when they needed it. Um, and look, it, it was a sign like, and it, here's the thing. I just feel like, uh, I think I mentioned last week when I wrote off Wexford last week, I mentioned that the lose to the Munster final would probably have Dublin in the quarterfinal and it was a bit of a safety net. But I, I think this is a dangerous game now. Whoever loses the Munster final, you know, picking themselves up because the Clare and Limerick once final is going to be full of emotion and, you know, that, that whole local rivalry in particular, losing that game, picking yourself up for a Wexford team now that are bouncing into the quarterfinal with their top players finally hitting form. I had mentioned how Rory O'Connor had been a bit of a disappointment in the championship compared to the league form he had and, like, he turned things around at the weekend. Um, and look, with, with Chin playing well, Rory O'Connor playing well, Rick playing well, um, you know, all the big guys for them coming to the fore, like they are um, they are a dangerous team. Um, are they going to go win in Ireland? Don't think so, but could they take out a team in the quarterfinal, a one-off match? Of course they could. And, um, you know, uh, in, in a way, you'd love to see them play Galway again, you know, if they had been the Leinster final, because they really, like, were a shadow of what they could be the first time they played Galway. 
Um, I, and Kilkenny, on the other hand, then, like there, there's something about even the Kilkenny under-20 team who had the great victory over Limerick, they seem to be picking, going for real physical hurlers at the moment, not the most skillful hurlers. Whereas before we'd have always associated with Kilkenny scale and touch and movement, your DJ Careys and PJ Delaney's and all these guys, even going back the years. And now it like they seem to be picking a lot of brute force and trying to mix that in with um with, with younger. It's kind of a, a, a there's a story that um when Eddie Brennan was over to Kenny twenty uh, ones and Westmead beat them, that he uh, said to Cody, um, what went wrong? Like you've seen them in training, and Cody said you pick too many hurlers and not enough men. So that seems to be the mantra in Kilkenny at the moment. And you just wonder, is it the right route to go down? We'll see. I just thought like their tactics when, when the game is in the melting pot, launching high ball down on top of the likes of O'Hanlon and Ryan in the Wexford back line. You know, it was again and again, they kind of did it. It was like Kilkenny had been trying to kind of mix it up and play a short game. But when the pressure came on, it was back to kind of default. And especially against a team like Wexford, who are really strong in the air down the centre. It, okay, they got some scores off it, but overall, you, you'd have to say it was it was a negative tactic um, compared to the way Wexford attacked. And Wexford, you know, opened Kilkenny out and, you know, it was like, yeah, it was chalk and cheese in terms of tactics. And to be honest, like Wexford were the better hurling team in the day, no question. Wexford were the better hurling team. And um, yeah, and look, it, it, it's hard to say it was coming. The previous game through Westmead, who everybody thought, you know, themselves unleash and it transpired they were fighting out at the bottom, but like Westmead were probably in a way the story of, of that group this year because of the level of their performance. Um, but look, uh, to come off that and then like turn over Kilkenny, like the you know the kingpins of Leinster hurling and um, in Nolan Park it was just a phenomenal achievement. And I think it really like uh, lifted lifted the whole championship in a way because everyone was talking about Munster and us based you know kind of uh, over this side and watching Limerick Clare and these teams. We were kind of nearly you know Leinster was a subplot, but Wexford kind of have put Leinster to the fore now. And um, the Galway Kilkenny final, as you mentioned, the whole um, Cody Shefflin rematch and everything else, that's going to be, uh, you know, uh, that's some weekend like the Kilkenny and and uh, Galway games on Saturday evening, followed by Clare Limerick on the Sunday. So, yeah, that's a bumper weekend of provincial final hurling. Like, can't wait for it. Absolutely. I think, I think there'll be a bit of regret from Wexford, though, because. You know, had they got over the line against Westmead, they'd be staring into a Leinster final themselves, you know. So I think, you know, they obviously will be happy with the, where they are. But, you know, I think there will be a little bit of regret deep in the mind that, you know, they, they let that one slip away and for a potential Leinster final. Because, like, you know, like Waterford, they're, they're starved of success. And, you know, I saw the, was it 2015 when they won the Leinster final? Like, Jesus, there was, when Limerick won the All-Ireland in 18, there wasn't as much celebration as there was for the Leinster final for Wexford there. Like the numbers that were out was just incredible, you know. And what a Leinster final would do to to this team, even you know, it would be a huge boost. But just come back to your one point, uh, Rory, about the puckers. Like last week, I was I was kind of concerned for Wexford with Kenny's puckers, but I think Kenny kind of became became very predictable with him. Like everything went long, and I think Wexford dealt really well with it. You know, I think it's something they probably knew they had to work on because I don't think they were doing well early in in the air this year. Like you know, so. I think really the that's probably what was the winning of the match for Wexford was was how they dealt with Kilkenny's buckles. But in saying that, they were very very predictable. Uh, I, to- I totally agree there. Yeah, I thought Wexford Middle Tour really fronted up very well. I thought Keith was phenomenal. You know, just in everything he did. You know, the two points, but so many. You know, you know possessions and his distribution was top notch. So 
I suppose a little bit of regret for Wexford, but at least they're still in the big dance uh, and not something that Dublin can say if we can move swiftly on. Pierce Stadium and Salt Hill was there and the locals in Galway were eagerly awaiting that just to kind of uh, see the performance of Galway. And to be fair to Galway, I thought it was a very efficient performance, I would say. Second half, got the job done over a Dublin side that tried hard, but again, forward line-wise, scoring power wasn't there. And... Uh, when you have the likes of Conor Whelan, Cahill Mannion, Joseph Cooney, really hitting 10 points there from play, it really did tell the tale of the tape. And I think maybe raise a few questions here, Rory, on Matty Kenny and uh, whether he stays on as Dublin senior hurling manager after that last in that elimination from the championship last weekend. I don't think he does. Um, you look at what have they, in a way, like what have they, have they improved year and year? I don't think they have. Um, like even, even this year, we were just kind of saying that they were one of those teams, we mentioned this, that were actually trying in the league, and you could see that every week. They were really taught, like, and Matty Kenny's probably right, that if they, they were one of the teams that had they got to a league final, it would have been a big boost to them. And they couldn't achieve that. And we alluded to earlier, they played Waterford at home without the Belly Gunner players in Parnell Park. And that was kind of a real disappointment because they had gone down the previous week and beaten Tipperary and Thurlis. And we kind of know now, form-wise, form people were probably, and we were reading a bit into too much into it, um, so the signs are there, and then you're thinking championship. They had that great win down in Wexford, but again, as we, it was a, it was a poor quality game of hurling. We alluded to that at the time. And um, Wexford were were not like they were at the weekend. Um, Lee Chin, for example, who's you know he is their go-to guy, he wasn't there. Um, so it, yeah, it, it it's hard to see them improving. Like they have one off really talented players on O'Donnell, Donald Burke, uh, who kind of carry the team and yeah, it, it's they're they're completely reliant on on those guys. Like you look at um we, we were, you know, a lot of people here, Limerick kind of joking, oh Claire and Tony Kelly and this and that, but you could see even without him there was a, a wider spread of scores. But I don't think Dublin you take Donald Burke out there and you know they'd they'd be in huge trouble. So um uh, yeah look they need they I think they need a, a different approach. Um Maybe they probably even needed it before this year, to be honest. And Matty Kenny, based on what he achieved with Kula, was probably given the other, another year to prove himself. And maybe there was signs there from Walsh Cup that that they were going the right track. And then, um, yeah, then like Dave, it, it was a bit of a yeah, it was a bit of a disaster this year. Like the Kilkenny game at home in Parnell Park, like that was, you know, um, the way they kind of went down in that game. Like faded really badly and in a home championship game that really shouldn't be happening like that and then you just felt like going down to um we had mentioned that dublin had this good record against galway of late and they wouldn't fear them but you just kind of knew in your heart that the way dublin had been playing and the way galway were this year that it would be a massive shock if they'd overturned them down in salt hill this year and that's probably saying as much about the position matty kenny has them in or anything else like let's not forget they've had really talented club teams there to choose from and it's not just one off team like that Kula who have won at Ireland like Kim McCord we like the Dublin County final this year was the best one I saw on TV um and Nafina and uh Kim McCord and you're kind of going um Ballyboden another strong club team of late and you just can't put a, a inter-county team together with the talent at their disposal so you probably have to look at management yeah um, I, I I'd agree with that Rory I think over the five games, Dublin scored one goal, you know, which I think like, to win any, to progress to any, you know, latter stages, like, games, you, you have to score goals and that's it. 
considering they played Leash and, and West Mead as well in that, like, you know, so it's not like if it was in Munster where, you know, you are playing, I suppose, the West Mead and Leash game are looked at as weaker teams and you'd imagine you'd be putting a score on them. Not to score a goal, I suppose, it's kind of criminal in a way. My fear for Dublin is you're kind of looking at the the minors this year and the under-20s, you know, it was hard to kind of pick any stars up and coming and the fear for Dublin, like, will they go backwards regardless who comes in and takes over? Like, you know, will they go back to being in the same classes as Westmead, Leash and, and Antrim, you know? Um, I think now is the time that something has to be done. You know, I, players that were disappointed, like, like last year watching the club hurling and Ronan Hayes, like, really, really good for the club. And I thought he's going to be huge for Dublin next year. It just hasn't materialised. He's been so poor. And I think, as Rory said, you, you take Donald Burke out of that team and you're questioning where the score is going to come from. I'd agree. No, they had a few injuries. I suppose Matty Kenny could say that. Dublin County Board, Dean Rush, I thought it was a big loss. Maybe down the spine of that team. But still, it's still the glaring issue of scores, I would say. And another long winter, I would say, for Dublin Hurling. And uh, I'd say there'll be plenty of suitors there. Looking for that Dublin job if it does open up. You know, James O'Connor was touting uh, Anthony Daly for a bit of a reunion, but I think there'll be Eddie Brennan. I think it would be a marvellous appointment there potentially. But I suppose going to Galway here, guys, uh, Rory and Kieran, they've shown progression. There's been kind of dips in, you know, that Wexford opening day was kind of a very hit and miss performance. But in fairness to Galway, unbeaten, and uh, I suppose going to the Sensor final probably is hot favourites. Against Kilkenny, which is dangerous talk, really, uh, coming from me. But uh, I suppose, Kieran, uh, where are the strengths here in this Galway side? I think if you're Shefflin, you're you're pretty happy with how things have gone for them. You know, they're kind of coasting along. You know, that Dublin game, there was no over-exuberance. They, they did enough to see out the game and get to win. Some really good performances again. And, I, you know, I think they've they've really they've built a, a good panel, you know, uh, and I think looking at their full forward line, I think Brian Cannon, Connor Wheel, and Colin Mannion, like they're turning into a deadly full forward line. You know the scores are getting, and then you look at the guys behind them: Tom Mannion, Joseph Cooney, Connor Cooney. You know, so they're, they're serious forwards. Yeah, I think they're in a very, very good place. I think they really, they will fancy themselves going into a Kilkenny game. They probably would have learned a lot from the first one. They're going in momentum behind them. I think Kilkenny would be doing a bit of soul searching after that extra game, uh, losing at home in that manner. And, you know, obviously confidence and momentum, is it's a great boost to any team, especially going to a final. So, you know, people who are talking about contenders for the All-Ireland, Galway's name wasn't on too many people's lips. It was, you know, Limerick, Waterford, Cork going into the championship, but I think Galway are right up there. It's been a very tight camp up here. I'm based in Galway. And, you know, typically in years gone by, you may have heard leaked team news or who would be playing there's been none of that. It's been very tight, close-knit camp. The camaraderie between the squad seems to be as high as ever. Uh, I think, to be fair to Galway, I think they may have a statement of intent here against Kilkenny and Leinster Hornfly. It's a massive prize getting into an All-Ireland semi-final and 17 minutes away from an All-Ireland. And that's all to look forward to on the 4th of June. I suppose we get to the final game, and this was the kind of uh, the, the six-pointer, as they would say. Uh, Leash and Westmead in MW Higher O'More Park in Port Leash. And... I suppose, guys, collectively, I suppose we're happy for Westmead, Joe Fortune, the management team and the players. They backed up the performance of Wexford with a very convincing win over injury hit leash. I suppose, Rory, um, thoughts on Westmead this season? Uh, been a, probably a year of progression, would you agree? 
Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, they've kind of been, the, in one way, the story of the Leinster Championship. And Joe Fortune, you have to say, he's been a breath of fresh air, Todd, because even his interview the last day, he said, every game we went at in Leinster, we treated every game the same, regardless of who we were playing. We went out to do our best in every game. And you just get a sense that Leash are kind of a pick, they have a thing of my pick and choose their, their games that they, and it's it's kind of come back and bit them this way. We saw it being successful for Leash, Leash in the past, where they've ambushed Antrim in particular, when Antrim looked like they were going much better against other teams and then Leash would pull out a big performance against them. But uh, I preferred the Westmead approach where they, even the first game against Kilkenny, up until they got a man sent off, uh, maybe 40, 45 minutes into the game, they were still with Kilkenny. And that was kind of a sign that they had really progressed and it, it didn't become a one-off game. The only game that they were really in trouble in was the Galway game in Salt Hill, where they got off to a terrible start and just, you know, that was the one game where they didn't really compete. And the other games, like they were you know, more than competitive, like uh, as we said, drama Wexford, massive achievement for Westmead. And look, it, it has been coming underage, they have been promising underage. Um, you just hope that like Westmead now kind of put the resources in and uh, really, you know, because they're, they're very close to making the next kind of breakthrough in it. Um, just, yeah, just a small bit of a worry underage at the moment, uh, currently underage, like they're not very competitive with going for Leinster Minor Championship or. You know, um, you couldn't see them like awfully this year in Leash getting to a final. I think Westmead might be a bit behind that. Um, so you're just hoping that they can pick things up really strongly underage and kind of add to this present team they have. Because look, all they might need is another two or three hurlers, especially strengthening the subs bench. And, you know, they could easily be be following up that result against Wexford more next year, next year's championship. But um, yeah, overall, like uh, it, it was just a, a great way of... of of taking on the big counties was to just say, here, let's throw everything at everyone. And uh, they benefited from the, in the long run because there were streets ahead of Leash in that match. Absolutely. And I suppose, Karen, bring you in here, Leash are looking for a result in the favour from Kerry in the Joe McDonough Cup final. Maybe we can get to that. But um, I suppose from a Leash performance this season, it's been a bit of a struggle for them. Would you agree? Yeah. And look, I think it's the ages, like, in, I suppose, in a bit of fairness, they've been hit with a lot of injuries at times. But I think, you know, you have to commend uh, Westmead's approach. You know, as Rory highlighted there, bar one game, they were they were in it until maybe 45, 50 minutes. And I think this game, like at 45 minutes, there was only two points in it, you know. So the tails turned a bit and Westmead actually finished stronger, you know, winning by 18 points in the end, you know, four late goals. Um, you know, and I think the, they're going to benefit, like they're going to be playing Leinster Championship again next year, uh, along with Division 1, you know. So... I think, you know, for, for progression, that's that's where they want to be and that's the teams they want to be playing against Division 1 teams uh, and that will bring them along. Um, yeah, look, I'd say on, on, unless Kerry win, uh, Lee should play Mike Joe McDonough again next year. You know, I, I think if you look back to Eddie Brennan's time with Leash and the, all the noise that kind of came out and the way he had to leave the, the, the job with the podcast with Woolley and all that, like, I think that's a true sign of what's going on in the background in Leash, you know. I don't think the commitment doesn't seem to be there from the county board. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's kind of showing they went back to the the tried and trusted. It didn't work before, but, you know, back to Cheddar. And I don't think, you know, they probably, not too many people will be queuing up for the job if it came up again. Uh, you know, like they have some good players and they have a good minor team this year. And... You know, I think if the right work was done, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be writing them off down to the 
to Joe McDonough to stay forever. You know, they're 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 good enough and they've good enough hurlers to if they do go down to come back up again. But I, I think Westmead, you know, really commendable. Uh, I think last week kind of pointed out you'd be kind of concerned about where the scores were going to come from, but you know, they were kind of heavily reliant in Killian Doyle at the championship, but you know, Owen Keys two one, Niall O'Brien one three, Niall Mitchell two goals, Joey Boyle five points. You know, I think so. I think everyone's still up really. And uh I think it's uh you know, I just delighted from just because of purely because of the approach they give. And I think looking back for them, it'll be a really, really positive season. I think it may give inspiration to Antrim or, or Kerry for that mind. Going into Joe McDonough, that fresh mindset, that approach to really go all out and really express yourself. And I would hope, sincerely hope that Tommy Doyle gets an all-star nominee. He's been absolutely nothing short sensational again, defensively for Westmead and Killian Doyle as well has kind of raked in a huge number of points here as well. And, you know, Exodus Championship with great credit, David Glennon. I think there's great foundations there, and hopefully Westmead will kick on. I suppose we can quickly get to the Joe McDonough Cup, guys, because last weekend we thought maybe it would be kind of a fairly mundane kind of fixture list, but my God, was it far from it? I mean, Kerry went up to Antrim getting a result, and uh, Carlo upsetting Offaly, which I think for Offaly hurling development after the euphoria of the minor hurling Leinster Championship win, this really knocks them back to earth fairly quickly, Karen. Absolutely, yeah. A huge result for Kerry. Like we, we all know how hard it is to go to Belfast to get a result. You know, we've seen the Division One teams failing up there. You know, so I think really kudos to them. I suppose they're just rewards getting into the final. And um, yeah, I think you'd probably have to fancy Antrim probably based on what we've seen of them this year, especially in the league. But you know, look, a one-off game. Who knows what'll happen? Yeah, Rory, can I get you in here? Let's say arguments say Kerry do triumph in the Joe McDonough Cup final and no one would begrudge them of that. They've been knocking on the door for many years now. They then would have to play Tipperary in a relegation playoff final again, a double whammy promotion playoff. What are your thoughts on that? We're trying to develop hurling as an inter-county spectacle here to get more, more counties involved. What's your viewpoint here in terms of the Kerry situation potentially? They may find themselves in. We'd all be Kerry fans at the. Yes, <laughs> I think we I think we could fill Tarlis with uh, Kerry fans for for that game should it happen. <laughs> but no, to be honest, I actually think that like the GA, if it transpires that match should never take place, Kerry should go up and there should be six teams in Munster next year. Give Kerry their go. If it transpires that Kerry are, you know, way off the other teams in Munster, which could happen which could easily happen, then, you know, then at least they'll know. And But it's just unfair that um, Antrim beat by a point, let's say, and Antrim goes straight up to Leinster. Kerry win by a point, Kerry didn't have to play Tipperary. It's just, so give them their year. And if, if it turns out they will get, if it turns out they are by far the weakest team, make sure they'll be relegated then and back down. But I think they deserve their, their shot at a Munster Championship should they win the Jumbers in a cup. That should be just given. And and the fact that Leinster are going with a six-team tournament, it's very easy to pair up Munster in the exact same situation. And do you know what? Even give Kerry every game at home for their first year in it as well. Make it give them every advantage they can in it. Um, not that their county board needs the extra money anyway <laughs> down in Kerry. But look, in, in terms of making it more competitive, um, I don't think any of the other teams in Munster would quarrel about going down to Clarny or Austin Sack Park to play Munster Championship games. Um, you know, so. Uh, yeah, that, that's my first one. Uh, second thing is, Offaly, as you mentioned, a huge, huge surprise. And the fact that, like, a couple of years ago, if Carlo had turned them over, it would be, you know, in fact, Carlo may have even been favourites, but 
with the form Carlo had been showing through the league and uh, and in the Joe McDonough to you know to to take to take out Offaly in that last game, um, massive you know massive victory for Carlo in a way, but a huge like huge setback for Offaly Hurling who were slowly making their progress up from Christy Ring to Joe McDonough and then all presumed they'd be taking on Antrim for a spot in the Leinster Championship, but. Talk about cat amongst the pigeons, and as you said, Mark, a dampener under recent minor success. Um, yeah, so it just shows that, like the Joe McDonough, we've mentioned this before, it doesn't get any of the coverage. Like I'd say, give it to TG Carter next year, let them show because uh, you're looking like we're judging off a one minute highlights on, on TG Carter on a Monday night where they're trying to cram everything in, and you're seeing like phenomenal scores and like uh, the scoreline between Offaly and Kerry this year. Where, I can't remember exactly. It was something like 4.25 to 2.30. It was just incredible. And you're saying, God, I'd love to have seen that game midday on a Saturday when there was no hurling match on when, it, when they're on. So I don't know why they can't show these games because there's definitely enough hurling following in the country who appreciate that this is a very good standard of hurling. And you know, like, you know, uh, being involved in colleges hurling, like there are serious hurlers from these counties. Like you're looking at Shane Conway, who... Uh, Led UCC to Fitzgibbon Cup there two years ago. It was their best forward in view, and these guys are all on display. Except, you know, the coverage is shocking. So that's something that really needs to change from next year and give the competition the credit it deserves. I think as well, if it gets the airtime, you know, that will also bring on, you know, within counties. Like, you know, if you're seven, eight, nine year old from from Leash or Antrim or Carlo, and you're seeing, you know, your jersey on on the television, you know, that's an incentive for to get my young lads in the game, you know, I say it's very hard to, it's very hard to get people involved if, if they're not seeing any success or, you know, or if it's not their plan to be seen on, on, on television every Saturday or Sunday, you know, compared to the top teams, you know, which are on, you know, so with you award, like, T to G, obviously we, we, we've been plodding them for many weeks, but I think that would be a great step, you know, if that was to be taken. I completely agree with you guys. That'll be an intriguing Joe McDonough final. I mean, Antrim may have kind of rested a few marquee guys, but I think they know the task ahead. A very determined carry side, no short motivation to head to Crow Park and right a few wrongs from previous years. So I think that'll be a very intriguing match. I suppose we can conclude, guys, with the 2022 All-Ireland's Under-20 Hurling final that took place last weekend in FPD Semple Stadium, Turles. I thought it was a real classic final of a, a competition nothing given uh, uh, out easy here and I'd had that inkling about Kilkenny last week guys just in terms of their physicality how they may test Limerick out a little bit in their tactical mouse and game management they come away with a 19 points to 18 point win and I know it was controversy over a particular point but I felt Kilkenny maybe were a little bit more composed down the stretch Karen. Yeah. Uh, would you agree? Absolutely yeah you know I suppose if you look at the first half, I think the first half in particular was really, really cagey. And it was just a typical final, you know. Um, I think players were probably afraid to make mistakes. And, you know, the middle third was congested. And I think Kilkenny, to be fair, they had the tactics bang on. They really closed them down. Kilkenny playing with the, the breeze in the first half, only going in a point up. I don't think there was any more than one score between the sides in the first half. You know, it was kind of just tit for tat all the way along. Uh, I don't think Limerick could never get in front then in the second half. And I think, in fairness to Kenny, they created more kind of half goal chances than Limerick did. You know, they got in closer. I think Clark 
maybe denied, I think it was Ian Byrne maybe twice there in quick enough succession. Look, obviously the point was a talking, you know, it, it was it was a it had to be talked about. You'd wonder was Hawkeye turned on? There's a lot of speculation it wasn't, I'm not too sure. My only real grievance from the whole not the game but the whole thing was, you know, what difference Cottle O'Neill would have made to that Limerick team, you know, for from a stupid rule that it shouldn't be there and in a way, you know, you're kind of looking back, have GA robbed that team the a genuine real chance of an All-Ireland medal? Because, you know, had he been there, uh, I think he would offer a bit more. And, you know, you'd have to kind of put him down for three or four points each game he plays. And I think that, you know, that rule from, I think there's no county will have any qualms about it. Just has to have to get rid of it. Yeah. Rory, get you inside, uh, get you in here. Just in terms of that Kilkenny performance, I thought it was a very workmanlike performance, full of work rate endeavour. I thought Derek Ling particularly got his tactics spot on, creating a bit of space inside for the likes of Billy Drennan to really, you know, show his prowess. I know we've kind of been maybe a little bit critical of him in terms of his overall open play, but my God, like, you know, nine points, five from play. I mean, a very powerful figure and prominent down the stretch for Kilkenny and led by example yeah he definitely showed his worth in the final um, very strong in the air as well and uh, as a typical Kilkenny forward can win his own ball which was uh, you know in a tight game like that where there's a lot of 50-50 ball going in the fact he could uh, win a ball sometimes win a free get sco- vital scores at vital times like he, he was a real match winner for them yeah I, I just agree I think the Kilkenny physicality and aggression really uh it was like a, it, it upset Limerick's game plan, and we, we saw Limerick in the Munster final how cleverly they used the ball, um, how the quality of ball they played into the forward line. Um, at times, the quality of ball in was shocking from Limerick. Um, you know, wasteful kind of ball in, ball into one v twos inside. Um, whereas they hadn't been doing that up until now, and that's probably a sign of just being a bit rattled. Um, so I, I agree with Kieran. Like the the composure is the word I would say. They they didn't have the same composure they had. And what I, what I really admired about Limerick in the Munster Championship was when t- every time Tipperary came back at them and got a goal, Limerick had the composure to go down the field, get another score or two. And we could see from even the last play of the game where uh, Limerick had two or three chances to just set up a, a, an equalising score. And each time there was that lack of composure, that pass went to toes and set it to hand and they kind of worked the ball into maybe a worse position before they finally shot when um, two or three times like there was, there was a good pass and that ball was over the bar, you know. Um, so look, that was kind of something that that they that they lacked at times, and again, that has to go down to Derek Ling and Kilkenny and the way they approached the final. Um, you know, the it, like hurling isn't all as we know about skill and touch, or whatever. Sometimes raw physicality can upset a team as well, and um, as you said as well, Mark, just creating that space inside, they managed to do that at their end whereas at the other end Limerick couldn't manage to get their key men inside like um, Adam English although he started well went out of it um, Shane O'Brien just couldn't get him on the ball inside and when he was on the ball looked dangerous so yeah that, that was kind of the main difference in it was that um, Kilkenny were able to find their forwards that bit more their forwards were probably that bit better in the 50-50 situations whereas Limerick um, couldn't really get to their normal game plan of you know that quality of delivery inside was lacking. And in the end of the day, that's what it came down to. And despite everything, like despite you could say Limerick being off colour and, you know, Kilkenny having those extra goal chances, it still came down to one point in it. And I remember Compton at the time uh, sending into the WhatsApp group 
um, saying like that point here could be vital in the end. And because straight away at the time, even the even though the replay wasn't straight on, you could see that the ball did not look like it was over the bar. And then that photograph later from Sports File showed that it was never over the bar. And again, what's the point having Hawkeye in the stadium? This is an All Ireland final. Like have Hawkeye turned on. Let's make sure these things like um, there's only two stadiums in the country with it. All Ireland final is on there. It's just a shame that it, that it wasn't used. Yeah, national championship game. But I suppose I can see where the GA HQ organizers not using Hawkeye. But again, we heard about this litter that was supposed to be all encompassing GPS, all that good stuff. But uh, can't really adjudicate if a ball goes over the bar or not. So I think from that perspective, I think there will be reflections here in terms of this under 20 hurling championship. It's a national championship after all, but also the eligibility rule of intercounty players. I know pair management had been touted fairly regularly you know the lead up to this season but again thinking of Cahill O'Neill probably in the stands looking helplessly on particularly down the stretch could have helped that team no end but uh, I suppose finishing up here guys Limerick under 20s I mean Kilkenny winning it's really a stepping stone to inter-county senior I suppose from a Limerick's perspective here Rory or Karen, do we see any guys here from that under 20 side really kind of step on now and maybe get into that Limerick senior squad now, given that this competition is now concluded. Uh, Kieran, maybe start with you first. Yeah, yeah. I think the the one name that would have been on people's lips maybe coming into the twenty championship was Adam English, and I think for me, I think he'd been really disappointing. You know, the Munster final, obviously, a cracking goal, and but he went out of it again for half an hour, and albeit he finished strong, I think he he was you know he he was everywhere in the last seven eight minutes. It seems to just go missing in the middle of games, you know, and you can't do that as a senior player. You know, I think he he's, in the last two or three years has been talked about, you know, and about an up-and-coming player. But I think we'd have to see a lot of improvement for to take the next jump. Uh, I think O'Donovan, I was really, really impressed with Conor Farrell O'Donovan. Uh, he, he kind of reminds me of Peter Casey in a way, you know, win his own ball, nippy, take his scores. I think he, you could see a, uh, a lot of improvement with him, and I think, you know, I think Aidan O'Connor. I think, to be fair, over the whole championship, he's been he's been there. He's been you know taking score. It just, I think he's a player you could see go straight into the go straight into the um, the Limerick panel next year. Maybe not feature much, but you know, been be in around the guys there. Um, we're doing no harm. But yeah, look, I always go back to the case where Shami Fannigan was was only a sub for the under 20s or the 21s when they won the All-Ireland and you know look at him now so it you know it's the next two or three year two maybe two, two years is uh it's where the the heavy work and the hard work is required to take that next step absolutely Rory got you in there any prospects from the slimmer Kenny under 20 side that you've seen here that look as if they have a pretty bright future into county wise but the seniors in the next year or two yeah, um, like Adam English, I've seen a lot of him. He's a really talented hurler. He's still underage next year, under 20. So, like, uh, like we're looking for, a, a, as Kieran said, he, there has been points in games where he has, you know, been quiet for, for, for spells. And that's something you'd be hoping to see improvements on next year, that you'll get a more consistent performance through the whole game. But there's undoubted talent there. Even just the ability for that goal against Tipperary. And, like, we're probably saying we want to see more of that. Aidan O'Connor, I'd agree. I think Aidan O'Connor should be in the Limerick Senior Panel, I think he's better than some of the the players that have been coming on for the senior team at the moment, and um, that have been tried in the even in championship in the last few games. There, he's uh, again. Uh, I thought one thing he showed this year with that team was leadership when Cahill O'Neill was 
you know, unavailable to them. He really stepped up, I thought, for him, especially Munster final again in the final. And um, yeah, look, uh, uh, as I said, uh, a real turn for him. I, Colin Coughlin, I think guys might have a future in the forward line. I think as a half forward, very good in the air. Um, just get him in that bit closer to goal. I just think it, it, it's a bit of like a, a Tim O'Mahony kind of it reminds me of a small bit where he's very good driving forward. And um, I think maybe from, from the half-forward line, he could cause real problems for teams from there. And maybe it's something that um, John Kai might have a look at, maybe next year's league and, and try him out in the forward line. But yeah, overall, like, um, there, like there is a lot to work with and there is like there is this conveyable there that there is a bunch of players coming through. Shane O'Brien, remember, and Keane Scully have another two years. Like they were minors yeah. last year. So you're looking at those guys another two years being the main men on the team. So it is a good thing in a way, I think, that you always have a few guys coming through so next year they'll be have the experience of playing the year before, and it's just a way of kind of giving experience to the next bunch as they come through then as well. But uh, look, I know at the time a lot of people around here are very disappointed that they really thought like this team were, were you know capable of winning the Ireland, which they were, and look they didn't. I think people are a bit disappointed that they probably didn't hit the heights they had in Munster, and that was a main disappointment. And had they, you know, they were very close to Kilkenny, um, being a bit off colour, so. And that's not taking anything away from Kilkenny. I, I thought Kilkenny were deserving winners on the day, and they, were, they weren't lucky or anything on the day. Like I know the point we're arguing about it, but overall, I thought Kilkenny had that bit more about them on the day. But from what I'd seen in previous games, I just thought that Limerick might have, you know, might have the edge in them, but it didn't transpire. So yeah, look, as we said, um, just even the fact that they're winning Munster still, getting the finals, and the fact that the uh, Kylie every year now has another one or two to look at coming through, um. Saying that, like very few have broken through Cahill or Neil this year, he'd be hoping that another couple might break through next year onto the team. Um, because there's one thing Kilkenny kept doing under Cody to stay there for so long was to keep having players coming through every year, and uh, it's something that's probably needed with Limerick. Absolutely, and I think it's, it is the learning curve, isn't it? You learn from your defeats more so than your victories, and I think from a Limerick perspective, they will go away, reflect, review. Top Mullins, the interview was very gracious post game. Uh, regarding everything and you know very unanimous in terms of Kilkenny victory and I think for Kilkenny I think Billy Drennan maybe you know a guy that we really need to look out for and I think Fitzpatrick as well what a what a physicality of a player there that Kilkenny have defensively going forward I know he was taken off late but I thought just work rate wise he was just absolutely phenomenal Yvian Byrne as well from Kilkenny like <laughs> Kilkenny are always going to churn out those underage stars really aren't they and then I mean, we kind of top top of the program in terms of maybe physicality over maybe skill set in the seniors, but certainly you can see the raw talent here, and you can see the sheer application of work rate of these Kilkenny young lads as well, because they had a point to prove. This team had been, you know, so close yet so far in terms of some minors, uh, All Ireland successes and Leinster's. So I think it was very important for them to get over the line, and they certainly did that uh, last weekend. And congratulations, Kilkenny. I was just going to say one thing about Kilkenny as well is every like Galway they fought it out and dug it out in a tight game. Wexford the exact same thing. Wexford put them to the pin at their collar. They came through. Same with this match. So it's a great sign of a team that can fight out these wins when um you know it's a sign of unbelievable character in a team that they're coming out the right side of these tight games all the time. Yeah, they were so battle hardened going into the South Ireland final. And- I just had that inkling that, you know, they would not go away from Limerick here, that this would be right in the melting pot and the composure would be the key ingredient here. In fairness to Limerick, they can reflect they've had a good under-20 season and, again, you hope for these players from both sides that they'll 
use the learnings of this All Ireland final and take it on for better success with club and intercounty. Lads, we'll leave it there anyway. Many thanks to Kieran and also to Rory. And next week, I suppose the the battle lines will be drawn. I suppose uh, given the Munster hurling final June back holiday weekend, so we'll have a preview of that. We'll also look at Crow Park with Kilkenny and Galway, and we'll also have a run the rule on all the other kind of hurling news that may be happening next week. Until then, thanks very much, guys. Good Mark. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles, and reports.